Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Easter to every other holiday in the world. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. How are you, Justin? I'm very good. Are you implying that Easter is better than every other holiday? Oh, no, I'm saying it's rather underwhelming compared to other holidays. I mean, you get four days off, which is good. Yeah, four day bank holiday, yeah. Four day bank holiday, which is good. Um, Chocolate, which is, yeah, that's good. Um, otherwise, it's like, compared to other holidays, it's just a bit underwhelming, isn't it? Yeah, it's no Christmas. It's definitely no Valentine's Day. We all know what happens on Valentine's oh, Day. Yeah, My yeah. birthday, by the way, not anything. Uh, oh, right. I yeah. the consumerism around it. Um, <laughs> but I always find, like, by Easter Monday, is it Easter Monday? It is Easter Monday, isn't it? Mm. Um, that I'm like, oh, I've four days off now. I'm full of chocolate. I just don't know what to do with myself anymore. Yeah, the, the Monday is always a bit. It's, it's basically a Sunday, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's, it's a Sunday. You know, weeks week at work's about to start, but let's not get into that. Let's keep it. Let's keep it quite you know, vibey and, and vibrant. And yeah, I'm all about the not, vibes, Justin. Delve. I'm a vibeful man, um, and it is, of course, one of our favourite weekends of the year, Justin, because mm. we've got two rounds of championship games, ladies and gentlemen. So, welcome to the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. So, as I say, two rounds of championship games. It comes thick and fast, and this is usually at the time of the year when. Met for plenty of teams, seasons come to an end, don't they? And mm-hmm. I don't think this weekend will be any different. So we'll start off by talking about the Good Friday games because this weekend's either going to be, it's going to start off with either a Good Friday or a bad one for some teams. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Luton's v Huddersfield from Monday night as well. We'll talk about some of the news from the past few days in the Championship as well. And then finish off with the Craig Bryson pub quiz right at the end. But before we jump into it, let me tell you, listener, about our friends at Fansbet, the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans. Do check them out by clicking the link in the description of this episode. They've got an exclusive offer for listeners to the second tier. You can get a welcome offer of bet £10, get £30, plus 10 free spins, which is not bad at all, eh? You can mobile registrations only terms and restrictions apply full details on site 18 plus please do gamble responsibly visit begambleaware.org for more info and do also check out fansbet responsible gambling tools so Huddersfield 2 Luton nil. Luton missed a penalty when the game was 1-0 before Naby Sarr tied up the points in the 89th minute what did you think of this one Justin? Yeah it was, it was a, a pretty decent game overall I know a lot of 
fans, um, specifically Forest fans, have started to lay into Huddersfield because of their style of football. But it's got them into a really good position so far, and it's one of they they've managed to sustain all season. Um, but this was a really good performance from Huddersfield. I, I was quite impressed with them. They they did what they they're really good at, which is limit the opposition to very few chances um, and get a goal themselves and make it very hard. For, for teams to break them down they've been very good at that and it's a clean sheet as well so yeah big tick in the box for Huddersfield because this was a quite a big test that they needed to overcome to try and solidify their place in the top six yeah it was a big test I thought it was a fairly even game I thought both sides had the chances of course Adebayo missing the penalty which was then followed by handbags from both sets of players <laughs> Scenes which we always say we don't like to see, but we secretly do want to mm-hmm. see. Um, so that was good. Nabi Saw scoring the winner. I enjoyed that. He's a bit of a forgotten man at Huddersfield, isn't he? He's only managed 10 minutes in the league this calendar year and has got his goal to his name in that time, which is not a bad ratio at all, is it? Uh, John Russell scored a lovely lob. Are you 100% sure that he meant that one, Justin? I mean, what else is he going to do with that? Is he going to try and play it off the bar and get an assist? No, he, of course he meant it. He might not have. He might have surpassed his expectation with the execution of the uh, of the lob because it was perfect. But of course he meant it. Yeah, I'm not saying he didn't meant it. Didn't mean it. I should say. Um, I just wasn't 100 percent sure whether he meant to do that. I wasn't sure if he was just trying to like pl- let it go over to the next player who was at the back post and whether he was aiming for him. So I wasn't 100% sure, but I think I, I'm mostly sure that he did mean it. So I don't want to take anything away from us. <laughs> it was a lovely, lovely goal. Uh, for Huddersfield, it puts reassurances on any fears that the performances may be dropping after a couple of poor games just before the international break and their place in the playoffs is looking like it's nearly there. On the opposing side, though, it's Luton who are a bit concerned themselves right now. I've seen plenty of Luton fans uh, a bit worried about how they're doing. They're without a win in their last three games now. What are you thinking with them, Justin? It's it's quite a difficult one to pin exactly what is going wrong with Luton. Um, But I think one of the things you do have to point out is that the chance creation has has dropped in the last couple of games. Aside from that Millwall game, it was quite open um, against Peterborough and here against Huddersfield. They weren't as open and flowing as, as they usually are going forwards. Um, again, it's quite it's quite a difficult one to put your finger on because Impanzu, Lansbury and Campbell is a solid midfield. That has rarely changed this season. Maybe that's something that needs to be tweaked. Um, and I thought Cornick and Adebayo are, are a front two that really could have done some damage to, to Huddersfield who do like to play a high line. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a difficult one to, to pinpoint, but... Um, yeah, I think it comes down to lack of chances they're creating themselves. And obviously, when a team like Huddersfield go, goes 1-0 up against you, it's very difficult to get back into the game. It's got to be said, Luton were playing astonishingly well before the international break, weren't mm. they? The gap between the new year and that international break, that's just gone. They were amazing and their points tally over that time was pretty incredible. So for them to continue that momentum, it was always going to be difficult. Whether it's catching up with them now, I think only time will tell. But sticking with Luton, let's look ahead to the Good Friday games. Just in the early game on Friday is Luton v Forest. And if you're Forest, you're coming up against Luton at an ideal time here, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think yeah, going into the game, going into the game, both teams are in, in very different, very different mindsets. But yeah, Luton's form hasn't been bad by any means. It's just no. it's just dipped a little bit. Um, yeah, winless in three is, is not ideal, but uh, Steve Cooper will be 
a little bit more content going into this than perhaps Nathan Jones. Um, but they're saying that, I think going to kind of with Road from a Forest perspective is a difficult game because the pitch it seems quite a simple thing to say, but the pitch seems a bit smaller and what Forest are very good at exploiting space in behind defences and that's something that isn't regularly done um, at Luton. Um, so I think they might find it a bit difficult and they've got a big game against West Brom on Monday night that they've got to consider as well, whereas Luton can afford to make a couple of changes because it's Cardiff on Monday. Two really big games against two hard-working teams. I would, I'd, I'd expect to see changes which might open it up for Luton. I think... Cardiff's a difficult game for Luton as well, considering they've picked up themselves and they've got to go mm. away as well. Um, but for Forest, you look at their remaining games, apart from the Bournemouth game, which is obviously looking like it's going to be a massive contest at the moment. They've got Fulham it's coming up before that as well. Mm-hmm. This game against Luton was looking like it was going to be one of their trickiest tests. But now Luton's downturn in form, I say downturn, three games without a win isn't much of a downturn. But it will obviously cause concern for Luton, but give Forrest plenty of encouragement that they can go there and get three points. When before, you'd probably have taken a point going away to Kenilworth Road. But Forrest are absolutely cruising past sides at the moment, mm-hmm. aren't they? The last five games, they've won on aggregate 15-1, which is a pretty damn impressive into Every single player is in form right now, from James Garner in the middle of the park, pulling all the strings, Brennan Johnson... The star boy that he is, Keenan Davis is scoring goals now. Uh, Jack Holback is Jack Holback, a mm-hmm. fairly unremarkable centre mid, is doing a brilliant job at left back at the moment. Yeah. Defensively, the rock solid. Everyone is just in form right now, and that's why Forrest are just playing so so well. So it's going to be a tr- very tricky game for Luton, but I think Forrest will be going there thinking they've got a really really good chance to get three points here and keep this momentum going. Uh, how do you see this one going, Justin? I'm, I'm going to say it's a draw. Um, I, as I say, I think both managers will, will recognise that it's a big game on Monday. Um, it's a winnable game for Luton and obviously Forrest have got to go to West Brom or, or play West Brom, sorry, and get a point or get something from it. So, yeah, I'm going to say a draw for this. I'll go a Forest win. Next game, which is also a very, very big game, is Bournemouth v Middlesbrough. Bournemouth seem to have picked up a rather unhealthy habit, haven't they, of playing teams at completely the wrong time, through no fault of their own, <laughs> I might add. Middlesbrough looked very desperate away from home not long ago, but now two wins on the bounce on their travels. Got to be said, not against the greatest of opposition. But it's left Chris Wilder's boys feeling more optimistic of getting something from this game than they would have been not too long ago, Justin. Yeah, and I think, I'm not saying Middlesbrough haven't turned up for, for other games, but if you look at the big games they've had, their FA Cup run, for example, is, 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 a, is a really good example of that. They have they have turned up and they have turned it on. Um, and, I, I mean, but the game at the weekend against Hull was, was really poor from their perspective, but they, they do have the ability to bounce back. And Chris Wilder is a manager that doesn't let those standards seep into his teams. Um, so I think, yeah, Bournemouth are going to have a very uncomfortable game against a team that likes to press, that likes to make it very, yeah, uncomfortable pretty much um, uh, while you're in possession. So it's a tricky one for Bournemouth, but I think two defeats on the bounce for Borough might impact them a little bit, but as well as that, Bournemouth are also winless in two, so they might not be quite firing on all cylinders either. Well, Middlesbrough need the points, don't they? They're playing the chasing game at the yeah. moment with the teams just above them. What would you say? Would you say this is a game that Bournemouth need to get three points from, considering you look at some of their other games, which are also trickier than this? But this is obviously still a tricky game in itself. 
Yeah, I think the reason why this run of games is so tricky is because, say, Forest Luton, for example, both I think both managers will be quite happy with a point because you're taking you're taking points off a relegation, uh, sorry, a playoff rival. Whereas Bournemouth have got to play teams in the top eight, so every team's needing to get points, needing to get three points to to, to keep themselves in the race for the top six or solidify them. So that's why it's so difficult for Bournemouth. So on paper, you'd say I think. Scott Park would be happy with a draw, but I think the draw against Sheffield United was was a good point. So he's got to get a he's got to get three points here to almost make that justifiable in some way, if that makes sense. Um so I think it I wouldn't say it's a must win, but three points, if you don't get three points, puts them under a lot of pressure. A lot more pressure than they're already under, because we already exactly. know they're under a lot of pressure. Um score prediction from you, Justin Peach. Oh, this this is really difficult to separate them. I'm gonna I'm going to say 2-1 Bournemouth. I would go for a draw, sliding slightly towards Bournemouth, because I think they know they need Mm. to start getting some points on the board to try and create a bit more of a gap between them and Forest. So I'll go draw, but wouldn't be surprised to see a Bournemouth win, nor would I be surprised if Middlesbrough win for that matter. (laughs) At the half-five game on Friday, Huddersfield v QPR. Before this would have been a meeting of two playoff hopefuls, but one of those sides simply is that isn't the case for anymore is it no you're spot on it's, it's been a catastrophic six weeks for QPR pretty much um, lost all of their goalkeepers and lost five games on the bounce it's just been a really bad end to the season uh, Chris Willick as well um, is injured so yeah it's, it's not been not been nice whereas Huddersfield contrasting fortunes um, have done very well to get their season back on track after what looked like a little wobble. Um, so yeah, I think going into this Huddersfield would be very confident in, in, in at least keeping a, a clean sheet because again, QPR in recent weeks just haven't turned up. Um, I think that's the easiest way to describe QPR. You can go back to that Sheffield United defeat not too long ago. Players didn't look arsed. Um, they were quite happy to see the game out as it was, um, which is really, really poor because QPR still have a... a they had an outside chance at that point for for a top six push, but yeah, I can't see anything other than a Huddersfield three points here. To be honest with you, yeah, that was going to be my next question. Do you just see anything other than Huddersfield winning this? It's difficult, isn't it? Because you think back to the Preston game last weekend, QPR could have conceded four or five goals, couldn't they? Yeah, and yeah. I think that's a sad indictment of where QPR are at now, where they've lost four games on the trot. And they're getting battered as well. It's complete contrast to Forest, isn't it? Who are battering teams <laughs> and getting wins on the board. QPR are just mm-hmm. getting battered themselves and losing pretty much every game. So are we agreed here, Huddersfield win? We are, but it's with the caveat that I'm not going to be surprised if QPR grabs something now. <laughs> oh, give over. <laughs> Surely not. Surely this has got to be the banker of the weekend, doesn't it? Uh, final game from Good Friday is the 8 o'clock game. On Friday, Derby v Fulham. Fulham can secure promotion if Forest lose and they win. What chance would you actually give of that happening, Justin? Not that it really matters because Fulham are going up anyway. It's 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 significant in some ways, but at the same time, um, Fulham are, Fulham have stumbled a little bit as well of late. Um, they're not quite hitting their their groove that they usually hit. Um, whether that is end of season complacency that starts to hit teams that have started to pull away or have pulled away from the from the racing pack um derby will make it uncomfortable for them i don't think they've got enough in them to get anything from this game um the squad's a lot weaker than it was earlier on in the season 
as we as we all know, and then they are missing Max Bird as well, who's still suspended. So it's not going to be a routine win for Fulham, but it will certainly be a comfortable one. Do you think? Derby have only lost three games at Pride Park this season. Yeah, yeah but still, I, I, I just don't think they've they've got enough to bat away Fulham in this scenario because again, Fulham will be gunning for that title winner getting it done done and dusted as quickly as possible so I think for that reason they'll do a professional job on Derby in this game I think you are in cynical Derby fan mode Justin I think Derby <laughs> can get a result here um, I don't think it will mean much in terms of you know the grand scheme of things with Derby's mm. relegation fight which is looking like it's nearly over and Fulham who are just cruising towards promotion really aren't they despite having the odd result or bad result recently but I, I can see Derby getting some sort of result here only losing three games at Pride Park this season they've beat the likes of Bournemouth and Sheffield United here I think they relish in these big games against the teams higher up the table and I think Rooney has more of an idea of how to play against them than other teams in the division and I think they'll keep it solid at the back I think the defenders will be putting their lives on the line just to try and squeeze out any sort of result here for the Rams. So as I say, I don't think it will mean much in terms of Derby staying up or Fulham not getting promoted. Um, but I can definitely see Derby getting a result here and uh, being party poopers in terms <laughs> of uh, Fulham's promotion push and securing that as soon as possible. So I'll go for a draw. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, I think it'll be a professional draw from Fulham, 2-0 interesting well let's have a quick break just enough that we'll talk about some of the news from the past few days and then go on to the Craig Bryson pub quiz welcome back to the second tier podcast and now it's time for this It's time for the news and Derby's takeover process is said to be moving quickly. American businessman Chris Kirchner says there's a lot happening every day and a lot of work still to be done. Nothing much more to say on that front. A lot of talk of happening about transfer embargoes and how mm -hmm. Derby are actually going to pay the creditors that they owe money to, but nothing more really on the Derby front. Apart from this, Mr Kirchner says Wayne Rooney will be staying on as manager at the club next season, no matter what division they're in. And that is brilliant news for Derby County, isn't it, Justin? Yeah, without doubt. Again, the cynic in me is thinking, oh, it's not quite guaranteed yet, but at the same time, it's it's a, a vote of reassurance that, yeah, Wayne Rooney is the, the man going forwards. And again, because of what he's done to the football club, and a lot of fans will say, oh, the Derby are going to go down. Derby have only gained 46 points um, when you take out the points reduction. So has it really been that much of a groundbreaking season? Yes, it has, because what Wayne Rooney has done is united the fan base that was split for years under Mel Morris. Mel Morris broke the club in two uh, and Wayne Rooney has brought everyone back together. He's made people fall, in, fall back in love with the football club. I think I've, I've, I've said myself, my, my, my dad has said that he's enjoyed this football this season more than any of it that he's been involved in. And that's included playoff campaigns, which just goes to show the extent of yeah, what he's, what he's, done, to the, what he's done to the team. Yeah, it always surprises me when you see rival fans saying that Rooney hasn't done a good job this season. 
coming close to overcoming <laughs> a 21-point deduction is a remarkable achievement, and that's not even taking into account things like having a squad that was paper-thin at the start of the season. They only had, what, was it 12, 14 players who were actually tied oh, down yeah. to the club when the season actually started? And dealing with transfer embargoes, all the nonsense that's been going on behind the scenes. Rain Rooney is without a doubt in the top five managers in the championship this season. If he got Derby to stay up, he'd be without a doubt manager of the season, but that doesn't look like it's going to happen now. But he still deserves a lot of credit for the job that he's done. He's had to basically work with kids for most of the season as well, hasn't yeah. he? Which is not something I've even mentioned. So anyone who doesn't think Ray Rooney is in the top five managers in the championship this season needs to head check in. Transfer news now, Justin. Fulham are already preparing for life back in the Premier League. The Telegraph says they're looking to bring in Shakhtar Donetsk attacker Manor Solomon. He'll apparently cost more, cost them £7 million and is seen as a replacement for Fabio Carvalho, who's been linked with Real Madrid and Arsenal in the past. And I think this is a cracking signing, Justin. Well, I, I do agree. And I do have some yeah, degree of knowledge on, on, on Solomon because of... Football manager, purely football <laughs> manager. And this kid does do damage on that. And um, it's always a good sign. Yeah, it's, it's a good signing and, and um, really good value for money as well. £7 million, considering they're getting £4 million or £5 million for Carvalho. Getting an extra few million um, on a possibly more established player for the first team or more suited to top-level football. Yeah, it's a really good transfer. It looks like a really good move. I, I won't confess to knowing much about the Ukrainian Premier League and I, I have it's not something I watch very often but I've heard a lot about Solomon and the various links that he's had with top clubs so for Fulham to be going out there getting him for seven million as well looks like a real snip I think it's a really good bit of business from them and as we've said before Justin Fulham don't need to go crazy they don't need to sign a whole new team so you've got a replacement for Carvalho here maybe a replacement for Cabano as well if you look at it that way you don't need too much more. You just need four more players. That's it. Squad's fine. Leave it at that, Tony Khan. Or whoever's in charge of <laughs> the transfers at Fulham. Sky Sports says Man United and Spurs are battling out to sign West Brom goalkeeper Sam Johnston. He's going to be a free agent in the summer, but I'm, I'm assuming he'll just be back up for someone, won't he? Yeah, he's, he's destined to be number two for a Premier League club somewhere. I think the last couple of... i say the last couple of months this season's probably shown that he's quite not at the level he needs to be to be a top level prem, uh, top level Premier League goalkeeper yeah well he's, he's strange because he was brilliant in the Premier League for West Brom last season this season he's been rather average so I'm not sure if it's because he's facing fewer shots in the championship I'm, I, I don't know I don't know the logic behind it friend of the show Kieran Maguire from the Price of Football podcast, says Birmingham have been dug out of a big hole by the sale of Jude Bellingham. It says Blues have released their accounts for last season, which shows they had a pre-tax loss of just under £5 million. But when you consider they sold Bellingham for £28 million last season, you can see what Kieran was talking about. Um, the club had a wages-to-turnover ratio of 230% last season and I'm guessing you're the same as me Justin where Birmingham are one of those clubs I'm a bit worried about financially well I've been worried about them for a, for a long time really and then you consider the fact that only a percentage of the stadiums currently open they're, they're missing out on, on vital revenue that way as well um, and not only that but you're alienating a fan base in doing so so yeah there's there's a lot that needs to be done going forwards I feel like Lee Bowie is going to be going into the summer with both of his hands tied behind his back and maybe with a blindfold on as well in terms of transfer so they've got a big job um, and as well as that sellable assets in the squad 
not particularly high. Shea Adams, Jude Bellingham have gone in the past. Can't see many others going for big fees or marginal fees at that. Well, who's the most sellable asset in the squad now? It's probably Joby Bellingham, isn't it? <laughs> but he's only played, I think he's only managed one league appearance this season and he's probably going to end up being a brilliant player um, and they may sell him for a few million down the line. But now... Who is there? Who are they actually going to sell this summer? Probably no one. Um, I was looking at who has gone compared to their squad from last season as well. They got rid of John Terrell, Alan Hilalovic, both off the wage bill, but I don't think they'd have been particularly high earners anyway, although with Birmingham's recruitment, I I can't be sure about that. (laughs) Um, And the same summer, they brought in Troy Deeney and Ryan Woods, as well as a host of players on loan. So it doesn't seem like they're particularly in a hurry to trim down the wage bill, which either means they know something we don't, or they're running it very close to the line. So I think there's plenty of reasons to be concerned about how the club's being run. And finally, Justin, the EFL has revealed it will be announcing the fixtures for next season in the Championship League 1 and League 2 on June the 23rd. The opening game of the season will be the 30th of July, which is a week earlier than usual, down to the World Mm -hmm. Cup, that is. The Championship will will then pause on the 12th of November for the World Cup and resume on December the 12th, meaning the final week of the tournament will take place while the league games are being played. It's going to be very strange having league games while the World Cup final is on, isn't it, Justin? Yeah, it's also what we're going to do for a month. Um, Yeah, it's it's going to be weird. Yeah, we'll fix something else. We'll do a second-tier World Cup special, maybe. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it is going to be strange. But unless, I don't know, I I don't know how many championship players will get caught up um, to the World Cup. But if quite a few are in the World Cup final, that'd be be pretty special. I can't think... Denmark got to the quarter semis. I got their third time looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few Danish players were playing in the championship at the time. Well, that, that was mainly because Bradford just harvests Denmark, don't they? Um, yeah. I can't Wales. think of anyone in particular. Wales, maybe? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> if, if a certain Bale moves there, um, moves to Cardiff. I, I, I'm struggling to think of anyone who would who's part of a major nation and maybe missing, but maybe there's someone. Thomas Kaminsky, he was called up to the Belgium squad once. He was, yeah. At the Euros, yeah. he might be missing for Blackburn. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see, won't we? All right, now it's time for this. All right, all right. Settle down, you lot. It's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Thank you, Mr. Bartender. This is the game where Justin and I are trying to guess a mystery championship legend. This week, I'm giving Justin six clues on a player who's made at least 200 championship appearances. All he's got to do is guess who it is. 13-11 to myself for the season. That's the score. It's already impossible for Justin to win. He needs to get every single one right. And I need to get every remaining one wrong for us to draw, which is the best Justin can hope for now at this point. And he's already brought brought out the dirty tactics by giving me gift of Noel Williams next week. Um, so, Justin, uh, <laughs> do you want the first clue? Uh, I, I do. I absolutely do. Lovely stuff. So the first clue is this. I've made 213 second-tier appearances, scoring 12 goals. James Perch. <laughs> it's not James Perch, but good to hear him mentioned. <laughs> I first played in England at the age of 23. For Crystal Palace. Hmm. First played in England at the age of 23 for Crystal Palace. Yeah. Mile Jedinak. It's not Mile Jedinak. Oh, yeah, he's a bit older, wasn't he? Yeah. Mm. Other sides I've played for in the UK include Millwall, Wolves, and Rangers. 
Palace Millwall Wolves Rangers. See, the person that came into my head was Bakri Sacco. Sacco. Not Bakri Sacco. God, he's a blast for the past summer. I can't believe yeah. he Next clue. Not giving me much. I retired from playing in 2012 while playing for Sunshine George Cross. You a fan? Uh, I did have a online season pass for a while, um, but unless they were a complete legend, then I, I might not know who they are for mm. Sunshine George Cross. Um, can I get what continent they play in just for my own benefit? No. Do you know what continent they play in? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, so 212, 212 appearances, you say? and 213. 213 and 12 goals. Um, he's, he's got to be a defender. He's played for Palace, Wolves, Millwall, Rangers. It's 12 goals. It's, it's clearly a defender, and that is not easy mm. at all. Um, don't know. Next clue. In the year 2000, I was called the most hated man in football by former Birmingham player Martin Granger. I've done a lot. Of stuff on Martin Granger, weirdly. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Millwall, Wolves, <laughs> Palace, Saying Rangers. it for the 20th time, just to make sure. Sunshine George Cross. Most hated career. man in football. Is that Kevin Muscat? I'm so annoyed that you've got that. I am really so annoyed that you've just got that. Is it Kevin Muscat? It is Kevin Muscat. That's for Muscat, that. That is for Muscat, that. Do you want to know the final clue? I do. I was born in Crawley, but I have 46 caps for Australia. Maybe would have got that. You know what? It was the most hated man in football, because the only man I can think of that deserves that title is Kevin Muscat. Oh, yeah, definitely. I was having a look through his... um, his Wikipedia page and some of the stories on there. There are a lot of stories on there from just many players that he's snapped in half. Even quite recently as well, uh, of him being a coach. I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's done some pretty. This might be libelous. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure I've read some stories recently of him being an absolute weapon. Mm, I'm just having a look. I can't see much, but apparently he's doing very well managing in Japan. So there you go. Just in Kevin Muscat, that's what you get for Muscat. Um, well, this has been the second tier, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening wherever you are. As always, um, we don't say this enough, Justin. We probably should say it a lot more. I, I always have a look at the Apple Podcast charts to see where we are. And we're always in there. But when you compare how many reviews we've had to other people, we have nowhere near enough reviews. <laughs> so... If you wouldn't mind leaving us a review, then it will go down very well with us because it helps us grow as a podcast and gets in new listeners for us. So if uh, you fancy doing that, that would be very much appreciated. Um, Next episode is going to be on Saturday, not Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be on Saturday as we react to the Good Friday fixtures. This always happens around Easter time, throws our schedule right down the toilet. And then the episode after that will be on Tuesday where we react to the Easter Monday fixtures. And then we'll be back to normal next Thursday. So you get three episodes from us in the space of a few days. What a lucky, lucky listener you are. So we look forward to seeing you on Saturday. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We look forward to seeing you then. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. (laughs) 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.